Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Hey there, welcome to another episode of She, or if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the party. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button. I want to make sure that you don't miss out on any episodes. We have a lot of fun around here. And if you've been listening for a little while, but you haven't left a rating or review, I would love if you would take just a minute to do that. That really is encouraging for us and keeps us going as we create and work to put more and more helpful content and workshop style podcasts out into the world. Speaking of helpful podcast episodes out into the world, today I am talking with Alyssa Pike. Alyssa is a registered dietitian with a nutrition counseling practice, Gratefully Nourished, who believes that food is a gift and health is multidimensional. Her mission is to help women recover from dieting and disordered eating through a non-diet approach. And man, she is bringing some wisdom to the show today. She's providing a lot of practical insight from a clinical perspective, as well as wisdom from a spiritual perspective. She is is really um, just a multifaceted uh, dietitian. I think she has some unique perspectives, a unique approach. I even kind of challenged some of the challenging perspectives she offered. And we had just such a great conversation. I felt like I learned a lot. It was my eye-opening to me. It was even very freeing in many ways. So I know you're going to love this episode. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's dive into this conversation with Alyssa Pike. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Alyssa, welcome to She. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I am so looking forward to getting to talk a lot about everything you're going to share, but I know that you are a registered dietitian and I really wanted to dive into the, the topic of nutrition. This is something I get asked about a lot is I've been sharing my own journey to lifestyle changes and everything that I've been doing, but more as an overhaul lifestyle rather than looking at it through the lens of dieting or restriction or anything like that, which can very easily happen. I've fallen into that trap before. So I think this will be a really life-giving conversation. And I, whenever I get asked about it, I'm always thinking, gosh, I want to make sure that I have someone who's truly an expert on this. I just share my own <laughs> personal experience. So thank you for coming on. And I would love to just get started by, can can you just share a little bit of who you are in your background that kind of led you to doing what you do today and becoming a dietitian? Yeah, of course. I'm I'm really excited to just dive into this topic. I agree. I think it's it's one that a lot of people have questions about. So I'm excited for this opportunity. Um, so for those who don't know, again, my name is Alyssa Pike, and I'm an intuitive eating and eating disorder recovery registered dietitian. 
And probably, of course, more importantly, I'm a follower of Jesus and a wife. And honestly, I just care a lot about helping people restore their relationship with food and body image so that they can cultivate a life and an identity outside of those uh, those things and live a purposeful life. And so the way that I became a dietitian was kind of accidental. <laughs> I mean, of course, it, it feels purposeful now, but when I was going through it, it, it just felt so haphazard. And mm-hmm. so I, I went to college. Neither of my parents went to college. And so when I arrived at Penn State, I really had no idea what I was doing. I think like a lot of young adults, I didn't really know who I was. I didn't know what I believed in. And so I very quickly kind of just chose a major that felt sort of safe and easy. And so I didn't even know that I could study nutrition, honestly. Mm-hmm. And and so I ran into a friend who had a friend who was studying nutrition and I knew it was of interest to me, but honestly, I was very afraid and I, I was very insecure and I just didn't think that I was smart enough really to become a dietitian. And so um, it wasn't until I had a conversation with a boy who is now my husband <laughs> that he really encouraged me to kind of go after what I wanted. And he was like, you know, this is something that's important to you. This is something you want to do. I don't understand why you're not going after it. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of the impetus of of really changing my major to nutrition, wanting to become a dietitian. And I think all of that sounds really nice. But at the same time, I can't deny that there was a little bit of that um, disordered eating mm-hmm. in my own unhealthy relationship with food that was also fueling this desire yeah. to want to study. And so it wasn't until I really figured all of that out that I then was very inspired and and just driven to kind of help other people improve their relationship with food and body image. Yeah. Absolutely. I can relate to that in many ways, although I didn't necessarily pursue a degree in it. I think it wasn't until after the fact that I realized I really had kind of struggled with disordered eating and a really unhealthy relationship with food for a couple of years, um, especially when I was a college student. But it's a tendency, I think, that can come up if we're not careful. I think there's a lot of that messaging around us all the time. And I would love to know, from your perspective, what is your relationship with food look like and how has it changed over the years as you've studied it, as you've stepped into this profession and helped others? What has that looked like for you and how has that journey been shaped for you? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And and I think before I answer it too, I want to just say that this has been my own experience. So someone listening may resonate with a lot of it and it, it may look different for them. But I can say for myself, my relationship with food has changed so much over the last, I mean, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in middle school was kind of the first time that I, um, I say realized, but I put it in quotes, like I realized there was something wrong with my body mm-hmm. when, you know, this was something that was the way I was perceiving things. Mm-hmm. But I, I had received some hurtful comments and because I didn't really have a foundation of, of who I was or where my identity was, those comments just kind of spiraled mm-hmm. so quickly and, and influenced so many parts of my life. And so I developed a really unhealthy relationship with food and body image that early. And it wasn't really until college that I started to kind of parse through what all of that meant and where it came from and, and why it was really not helpful for me. And so when I was in college, I was still restricting a lot. I still had a pretty um, 
unhealthy mindset when it came to food, but I felt like I had kind of shifted from, you know, just wanting to eat as little as possible to wanting to be in better shape or more mm-hmm. athletic or anything like that. And and I felt like at the time that was a step kind of in the right direction, but I also feel like looking back, it was still kind of this pseudo recovery phase mm-hmm. where you know, the preoccupation had really just shifted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. How did that begin to heal for you? Like, I know you made a comment about um, how you're, you know, at the time you didn't really feel like you knew your identity and whatnot. Would you say your faith influenced that, that growth as well as what you were studying? Or was it a combination of the two? I'm curious how these two have worked together in your life. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think what So there's a couple of things that definitely influenced um, kind of that healing process. And Jessica Setnick is a very well-known registered dietitian. She's an amazing speaker and teacher. And Mm -hmm. and she kind of has these three keys to recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first is a turning point. The second is a reason to live. And the third is a new identity. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in college, I would say I experienced that turning point where I was like, okay, this is just not like, this Mm -hmm. is not working for me anymore. And then once I got my first job as a dietitian at an outpatient eating disorder center, I learned very quickly that I was only able to take the clients I was working with as far as I had gone myself. Mm, Yeah. That the second part, the reason to live kind of became okay, now I want to help other people. I want to really get mm-hmm. to the bottom of this so I can provide care. Mm-hmm. But the third and most important key is that new identity. And so it wasn't really until I firmly established my identity in Jesus that I felt like I could really withstand all of the trials and just the difficulties of life that I had been kind of dealing with through my food and body image. Mm-hmm. That I think those three things can look different for different people, but I do think they are really kind of essential to that process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it can be such a, a combination of the practical and the and the deeply personal um, and the spiritual. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Um, okay, I want to pivot into, let's talk about some of those practicals, if you don't mind, um, just mm-hmm. because I think there's a lot of questions that are, uh, that our audience is probably wondering. So I know there's a lot of information floating around about diets and opinions on how to be healthy. And I personally really have struggled with this over time, just in different seasons, even very recently, as I've tried to learn, okay, what does it look like to fuel my body well, right? And as I was researching Mm -hmm. and digging into it, I felt like I was getting so much conflicting information. One place would tell me, don't eat avocados if you have this type of blood type. And then every place else was telling me like, eat healthy fats, (laughs) you need avocados. And I remember just feeling like, do I eat the avocado or not to eat the avocado? And anyways, so I guess all that to say, you know, I know there's a lot of information, it can feel conflicting, it can be really confusing. Um, So I'm curious from your perspective, what is inaccurate or harmful in society's view of healthy eating or even dieting? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's like so much to dig into. I know. (laughs) It's like we have all the time in the world. (laughs) I know. Um, So I'll just pick out a few. And then if there's any other follow-ups, feel free and we can dive into them more. Um, But okay. So the first, probably the most glaring kind of inaccuracy that I see floating around when it comes to you know, society's view of healthy eating or dieting is this idea that our health is completely up to us. Mm. I think that this plays into our desire for control. 
and I and I say this with a lot of compassion and I want to say this gently because I know that a lot of people are struggling with a lot of different really hard things. Mm-hmm. I mean different diseases, different intolerances, like there's just so much and and health is so broad and and there's just so much to it. But I think that it's really really um challenging because if we are diagnosed with something or we experience something or we have this illness, of course, we want to do the best we can to to control it or remove it or, or take care of ourselves. And so I think that these this comes from a really kind and loving place. Mm-hmm. But I think what what gets tricky is that we don't want to acknowledge or it's very, it's really hard to acknowledge that the reality is our bodies are deteriorating. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not immune to disease or even death. And so what I think can be really harmful is that there are certain diets or there are certain people that will promote this style of eating or not eating or whatever, um, as if that is how we can then circumvent disease or we can Mm -hmm. circumvent this illness. And so that can be very harmful because a lot of the time it's not true. (laughs) And, and the things that we do in order to try to circumvent these things actually end up causing us a lot of shame Mm. because we see this isn't actually working and now I'm stuck in this cycle of like well I I want to try to do it because I thought that's what I was supposed to do but it's actually making me more preoccupied with food or it's not working and now I feel bad about it and so it just it becomes this really um kind of dangerous cycle from time to time Mm. Okay, that's so helpful and and so true in so many ways. And really, I agree with that on so many levels. But I like to tend to I tend to like to poke holes in things a little bit. And I think there may be someone who's listening wondering, okay, but what about the argument that food can serve as our fuel and our medicine? And it's a gift that can holistically help help our bodies, right? And it does matter. So what would you say to that if someone's listening and says, okay, but what about that argument that food is our fuel and food can be used as our medicine? It was given to us by God and it it fuels our body. What would you say to that? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think it's one that I am still wrestling with. But here's the kind of conclusion that I'm, I'm at right now. I definitely believe that food can be helpful. I think that food is essential to kind of improving our health. I think that where we have to draw the line or maybe the question we can ask ourselves is, is this going to be stress inducing or is this going to be stress reducing? Mm. So when we think about a particular food choice, because, and I think of course, this is where it can be helpful to kind of work with your healthcare provider or work with a dietitian, because it's going to be really hard for me to give a hard and fast response mm-hmm. um, to something as broad and as as difficult as this. And so long story short, I'd say that food can absolutely be helpful. But I do think that because our culture tends to really emphasize food, we can then sometimes neglect some of the other pieces of health that mm-hmm. could be just as helpful or maybe even more helpful depending on the person and, and what they're experiencing. Yeah, that's actually a really good way to put it. I mean, my dietitian often asks me, or she said to me one time, she's like, look, I don't think you're going to have a hard time with sticking to a certain way to eat, right? Like when you learn like what's really beneficial for your body or what your thyroid needs or these certain things that we, again, like you said, on an individual basis, when you learn information about your body and how to best support it, either with food, lifestyle, mm-hmm. all of the above, you know, it's one of those things where she's like, look, you're the kind of personality where if you're so obsessive about this, it's going to be stress inducing. So my goal here is to keep your stress levels low. I don't 
don't think you need me to make sure you're eating a certain way. And that's just my personality type. Others are different. But I think Mm -hmm. that really goes along with what you're saying of that question of, okay, is this approach going to be stress inducing or stress reducing? Is it going to be empowering or disempowering? Right. And I think that has given me a lot of freedom in many ways. I mean, it's a, it's a work in progress for sure, but it is um, (laughs) one of those things that kind of looking through that lens and with that perspective can be so helpful because it's like, okay, you know what? I have to just eat lunch. And if they don't have this organic, you know, option here, it's like, I'm right. My body's not going to crumble. Right. And I think sometimes we can begin to believe that if we get so, tight like wound uh, tightly round around uh, wound around this idea of like this is how it has to be right so mm-hmm. it depends I, like you said on a person by person basis but i think that's a very freeing perspective on that note i would love to know this is kind of a similar to the last question but what would you say you know what like when it comes to okay I might be, I might have just found out that there's something going on with my body where I need to reduce my sugar intake, right? Or something like that. Or I realize that I have a gluten intolerance or that there are certain things that I have been eating that are actually wreaking havoc on my immune system or my body or whatever. So for from your perspective, what would you say or how do you approach this in such a way that there's a line between, you know, we don't want to believe or we don't want to do certain things with the assumption of like, and I can control everything. And this is going to be the outcome because I've caught myself doing that. My husband catches me when I start doing that. Um, And I think it's helpful to have people in our life that can say like, Hey, you're starting to live under the illusion that you can control everything. And even if that's not your intention, sometimes it's helpful to be checked on when you're leaning into that a little bit, even if subconsciously, but I would love to know from your perspective, what does it look like to draw the line between, you know, okay, I'm doing things that are within my control to, you know, make healthy choices versus I'm, I'm reaching for control and becoming obsessive about this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I think that's a really, I think that's such a good question that a lot of people maybe don't try to answer or maybe are a little bit nervous to answer because I'll be honest, I think answering that question is one that really for me only comes when I'm being honest with myself and I'm involving God in that Mm -hmm. conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because, because it's so challenging. And again, I think this is why having one-on-one support, having that close circle of people that you can check in with and you can kind of explain what's going on and, and have them reflect back to you honestly about what they think and, and what's, you know, whether or not what you're doing is helpful in the long run or, or not helpful. And so going before God and, and really asking him to search your heart and and kind of having that introspective opportunity, honestly, I feel like that is where a lot of this really great change happens and where we can get this new perspective. Because a lot of the time, I mean, we could be doing, you and I could be doing the exact same thing when it comes to health but the intention behind it could be different. And so for one of us, it could be helpful. And for the other, it could be not as helpful. Mm -hmm. And so having that opportunity to kind of get honest with yourself and however that looks like for you, whether that requires a counselor or just some journaling and, and some quiet time, but I think that that's a really, really hard thing. And honestly, I will just add, um, when it comes to our relationship with food and disordered eating in particular, I think that is one of the most difficult questions to ask because we live in a culture that is so um, kind of preoccupied with health looking a certain way or with 
people eating certain foods and not eating certain foods. And we just have all this pressure to look and eat and, and just act a certain way. It's really, really hard for us to kind of check our intentions and get to the bottom of like, am I doing this because it's actually going to be health promoting? Or am I doing this because I'm grasping for control and this feels like the closest thing mm-hmm. available? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a tough one to answer. Hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Just having, I mean, honestly, having check-ins even with yourself or having those account people that are helping, you know, provide that accountability or just check-ins, it kind of makes you revisit because you can kind of just downward spiral quickly, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's really a healthy and, and helpful step. Kind of want to pivot here a little bit, but you talk a lot about intuitive eating and this is something that I have always been intrigued by. So I would love if you can explain what that means. Yeah, of course. So intuitive eating was actually created by two registered dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. And so intuitive eating is really a mind-body self-care kind of framework for eating. And so there are 10 principles. And basically, the point of the 10 principles, they do one of two things. They either remove barriers to you getting in tune with your body's needs or they're encouraging you to actually get in tune with your body's needs. And I think if we didn't live in a culture that was so kind of obsessed with dieting, mm-hmm. we would just call intuitive eating eating. And it would just be <laughs> the way that we could just um, combine our body's internal cues with our mind's knowledge of what makes sense, what's practical, what's rational, what's going to leave us feeling well overall. And so sometimes intuitive eating is boiled down to listening to your hunger and fullness cues, and that is part of it, but there's really kind of more to it. And so intuitive eating is really a process of you just learning to respond to your body, I think, in a helpful way so that you can improve your health overall. That's really interesting. Okay. So, and I think that's funny that you said, like, if our culture wasn't so obsessed with dieting, we would just call it eating. Because it's like, yeah, exactly. Like, it seems so simple, but you're right. It's just so many messages and constantly this just, it makes it seem so complicated, you know, when it's really not. Mm-hmm. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) 
Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for- one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. In my own experience, I when I first started cutting out certain things, when I was you know realizing, oh my gosh, I have inflammation in my body, so I need to cut out X, Y, and Z. When I started doing that for several months, I didn't really know how to. I, I really focused on like the just not having more so. And so what I was doing was I was just reaching for like gluten free cookies, right, or whatever it mm-hmm. was, and I I felt like I wasn't feeling any better. I was like, I just feel like I'm putting more effort in spending more money on stuff that just says gluten free or sugar free or whatever. And I don't actually feel like I'm seeing any improvement. And then I had a long conversation with my functional doctor, as well as a Mm -hmm. dietitian. And I was like, I think I just had this realization that I've restricted all of these things, but I've not replaced them with anything that's actually nourishing my body. So I still feel like I'm just like reaching for stuff. And then I'm also feeling like those foods are like bad, right? And so it was like mm-hmm. this, it was like this very, it seemed kind of like an obvious moment, but it was like a light bulb for me because I had spent so much time focusing on not having them that I wasn't focusing on nourishing and really a holistic approach. I was just like reading labels to make sure gluten wasn't in something, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. what we can do. It's like, oh, okay, that's that's not on the bad list or whatever is in my brain is on the bad list. Like, great, I can have it, but we're not actually, if we're not taking this holistic approach and understanding kind of what you were saying, like this intuitive, holistic approach, it can quickly become obsessive. It can quickly become really restrictive and unfortunately Mm -hmm. without any kind of result. Like that's what I experienced. I was like, geez, I feel like I'm working my butt off trying to make sure I'm not doing these certain things and I'm just now craving them more and I'm still not feeling better, right? And so anyway, it makes a lot of sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I have a couple other questions here, kind of pivoting a little bit. But if mm-hmm. someone feels overwhelmed by all the information that's out there, but does want to start eating healthier, what are some first steps that they can take? Are there any habits that they can focus on or specific foods, food swaps they can make in a way that feels really doable and like a great first couple steps? 
I would say the kind of classic tenets of balance and variety are always going to hold true. So what I would typically recommend people starting with, um, actually, before I even say that, it would really depend where the person is. So sometimes a particular person who might have had a more restrictive relationship with food, sometimes the healthiest thing they can do is learn how to kind of incorporate eating something like a cookie on a regular basis without feeling really nervous about it. Um, But I would say for other people who are maybe trying to eat more fruits and vegetables or they're trying to just improve the nutrition of their diet, I always find it's way more helpful to kind of focus on addition um, instead of kind of subtraction. So when we think about building meals, I find it really helpful to build meals with at least three food groups at each meal. So for breakfast, that could look like a grain, a protein, and a vegetable. It could look like if someone eats dairy, it could be dairy, protein, and a carb, or any kind of combination of the food groups, just Mm -hmm. so we can make sure that we're getting that balance and variety. And then those things help with satiety as well. And I think, too, I really want to encourage people to start small. I think because there's so much information out there, there's so many things that we feel like maybe we could change. I would just start with just one kind of idea to start with. So whether that's I want to make breakfast a little bit healthier, maybe I could incorporate a fruit or a vegetable with what I'm already eating. But yeah, of course, the the, the main ideas of kind of balance and having different types of foods is going to be the most helpful. And then kind of going from there might depend on each person's individual goals. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Another question I'd love to ask is, can you provide some helpful tips for healthy meal planning and grocery shopping? Especially, I know that can feel really overwhelming. So when you say start small, I think that's actually a really great place to start. That's like my motto in everything in life. (laughs) Especially, this is the irony. I am someone who's like, all in or nothing, right? Like I am a (laughs) total achiever. And so it's like, I either want to go big or go home. And I've had to, but I look back, I've had to kind of come back to what actually helped me get started in certain things and see the most success. It was in the times that I was like, I'm just going to start small at home rather than go big or go home. So I try to live by that, even though my nature is against that grain, like it rubs up against my ambitious kind of like, let's just fix it all right now. Right? So With that said, I would love to know, you know, just maybe some really great starting points for, you know, planning some healthy meals and grocery shopping and being intentional with this as we steward our bodies with a grace-based approach while still taking strides towards growth, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think when it comes to healthy meal planning, we, we might have this idea of like what it looks like and it might look like a bunch of chicken and rice and like containers. So I just want to kind of, I want to change that <laughs> and just say that healthy meal planning can look different. It can work for you. It can be as intense or as kind of simple as you need it to be. Um, and so a few questions that I would just ask yourself as you're trying to shop and, and kind of prep some meals for the week is, what's my schedule going to be like this week? What is sounding good to me? Is there a new recipe I want to try? Am I going to be relying on kind of practical hunger, which is like this idea that, okay, I'm not super hungry, but I know I have a really busy schedule. So I need to make sure I'm eating between this time period so that I'm not too hungry later on. Or do I have more flexibility and that I can just kind of make food as I want to throughout the week? And Mm -hmm. everyone's schedule is going to kind of fall somewhere along that spectrum. Mm -hmm. But 
once you kind of answer those questions, then I would recommend doing a couple things. I would first take inventory of your pantry and fridge. Are you needing kind of staples versus produce or perishable items? And then I would consider your meals. So maybe choose one to two breakfast combinations and maybe two to three different lunch and dinner leftover options. And again, we're taking the same kind of tip from the previous question of making sure that we're building meals in multiple food groups. Mm -hmm. And so we we still want to do that for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Mm -hmm. And so once you kind of take all of that inventory, I would say batch cooking just a couple things can be really helpful. So if you are into hard boiling eggs, I think hard boiled eggs are honestly how I stay alive. (laughs) So having some hard boiled eggs, putting on a pot of rice, chopping up some vegetables, maybe some sweet potatoes, some bell peppers, whatever sounds good to you. And then of course, the point of all of this is to make your life easier. It's not Mm. to make it harder. So some weeks you might prep a lot on Sunday. You might get Mm. a ton of stuff done. And some weeks, the best you can do is hard boil some eggs and chop some vegetables Mm -hmm. and throw them in the fridge so that on Tuesday, you know, you can pull them out. Mm -hmm. So I think kind of going through each food group, making sure you've got a couple options, going through, making sure you've got breakfast, seeing if you're going to be at home or you're going to be out for each of these meals and then kind of going from there. But hopefully that is helpful. It's, It's difficult because, of course, everyone is kind of, especially now, is just in a new routine or a different routine and coming from a different place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful and very practical. Okay. Here's another question that I know we've got some listeners who are wondering, what if you have children in your home? How can you prioritize your kids' nutrition without sacrificing your own? First, I would just say moms and dads right now need to just get a medal because life right now is, is so, I feel like chaotic for them, balancing homeschooling and just everything kind of being so different than usual. So the first thing I would say is to try to take a little bit of the pressure off of yourself. I think that my word for 2020 is just compassion Mm -hmm. for everyone because life has been very difficult. But I think what can be really helpful is there's this thing called Ellen Satter's division of responsibility. And so it's this idea that her theory is that the parent is in charge of what and when and where the child eats, and the child is in charge of how much and whether. So essentially, that looks like parents are in charge of what's for dinner, what time we're eating, you know, are we eating in the living room, are we eating in the kitchen, and then the child to kind of develop this sense of autonomy when it comes to food is in charge of how much food to eat at a particular time, and whether or not they want to eat at all. Hmm. And so I think that that can be kind of helpful because I know that there are some parents in particular who might have really picky eaters. And so we can feel kind of tempted to make all these different options until the child eats something. And so when you kind of adopt this idea that this is kind of what's available and and the child can decide. And of course, we do our best to make different options available on it on a daily or weekly basis. But it, it kind of takes off some of that pressure of making sure that each meal is perfect and that each meal is exactly what the child was looking for. But I do also just want to reiterate that having multiple food groups, so having some kind of healthy carbs, lean protein, healthy fats, plus some kind of produce at each meal is is wonderful. I think that's really all we can ask for at this time. But it's, it is difficult. And I think 
I'm not a parent yet, but I cannot imagine the kind of intense pressure I will feel <laughs> to feed my child. So just giving yourself a little bit of grace um, and kind of sticking with the basics, I think can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. And I think that even applies to marriage, like in some ways. I mean, obviously, <laughs> that's not the total exact. I guess you can't be like, here's what's available, take it or leave it. But I do think there is, you know, when you have two people in a household who have different preferences or different dietary needs or, you know, even just like to eat at different times, sometimes, you know, there's this process of, okay, how do we even, how do I prepare food for myself while also thinking of my spouse? Like that's something that we've had to discuss in our marriage. And so Mm -hmm. I think when you have a family dynamic of any sort, whether that's a spouse or children or both or just children or just a spouse, it's just, I think there is that added dynamic of like, okay, I'm thinking about what I know I need, but I also want to make sure that I'm preparing for them, but I need to know what their needs are. And so it can add this level of complexity. And so when it comes to marriage for us, it's just been like, let's be sure we're having consistent conversations and trying to get on the same page. Because otherwise, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I know I've run into situations where I have found like, oh, we had completely different expectations for how our lunchtime was going to go today or things like that. (laughs) So anyways, All that said, okay, a couple other quick questions. One being, I don't think we can really talk about food and nutrition without talking about the other important areas of life like sleep and water and then all of that. So I'm curious, what is the relationship between sleep and food? And we talked a little bit about stress earlier. And why is it important to look at both when considering the total picture of our health? Yeah, I think sleep is so, so important. And I feel like it gets a bad rap sometimes. I don't know why people (laughs) don't love sleep more. It's just so so important. So most adults need seven to eight hours of sleep a night, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. Sleep is just so restorative for us. And so sleep in and of itself really can help reduce stress, improve our mood, improve our immune system, improve mental functioning. And so it's really important to think about sleep when we're thinking about health holistically, because if we're not getting enough sleep, like we're tired, we're going to feel that. And we might try to compensate in some way, whether that's drinking a lot of food or drinking a lot of coffee, (laughs) Mm -hmm. drinking food. Yeah, drinking food, same thing. (laughs) Um, Drinking a lot of coffee. I think that it's possible sometimes for us to to kind of compensate a little bit by eating a little bit more Mm -hmm. too. And again, there's no shame in doing that. We're all trying to take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. the best that we can. Mm -hmm. But I do think sleep is so, so important. And I I'm a big proponent Mm. for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. One last question. Another big topic that comes up, especially in our society is protein. And I meant to ask this earlier, but I feel like we just talked about so many different things. So what would you say is the importance of protein and how can we incorporate it into our diet? And is it possible to have too much of it? Yeah. So protein is of course, very important. It is one of the three main macronutrients. And so protein builds muscle, fights infection, helps our cells divide, provides our body energy. It's involved in so many different bodily processes. And so when we eat protein, it gets broken down into individual amino acids. And although there are hundreds of amino acids in nature, humans only use about 20 of them Mm -hmm. to make basically every type of protein that we need. And so there are some proteins like animal-based proteins that will contain all of those amino acids. And then there are some proteins like plant proteins that might only contain a couple of them. And so it's more important that if you're not eating an animal-based diet, that you're really making sure you're getting a good variety of plant-based proteins. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when it comes to incorporating it into our diet, I do think 
Well, it's hard to say, but by and large, I think a lot of people get about as much protein as they need. Now, of course, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you might have a little bit more trouble, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely still possible. Mm -hmm. But incorporating it could look like, of course, having meat, poultry, fish, cheese, yogurt has protein, legumes have protein, beans, nuts and seeds. Those are more of the plant based kinds. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it comes to whether or not we can have too much, it is possible to have too much, but that is typically only in people who have a pre-existing mm. kidney disease. Okay. And so for the general healthy person, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Now, of course, I wouldn't say like eat hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of milligrams of protein a day. Mm-hmm. But um, if someone is concerned, I would just recommend talking to your doctor and kind of getting that blood work done to mm-hmm. see if there are any kind of lab values that could be indicating that your protein levels are too high. Mm-hmm. But for a generally healthy person, the the worst that could happen if someone is having more protein than they need is probably constipation or or something like that should be okay. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know I kind of threw that last one in there, but I want I wanted to ask about it. I know it's a topic that I've been asked about as I've shared different peeks into what I eat on social media, people are like, what does this look like with protein? I'm like, I don't know, I need to ask an expert about that. So (laughs) um, no, seriously, though, thank you for your input. And you've just offered so much helpful information and things to think about and perspectives that I think are challenging, but incredibly helpful and empowering at the same time. So we are grateful that you came on the show. I know this has blessed so many people. Where can everyone find you if they want to learn more and dive deeper into nutrition and their and their food journey and their relationship with food and all things intuitive eating from a faith-based perspective? Thank you so much for having me. You can find me at gratefully underscore nourished on Instagram or at gratefullynourished.co. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. It has been such a blessing. Yes, thank you so much. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content, and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.